So good to see you all conversing. I love it when I have to rein you guys in from talking. That's a good sign. It's a good sign. Uh, I'm Zach, one of the pastors here. I feel like a little bit like I need to reintroduce myself because while I was away on sabbatical, there's so many new faces, and that's a great thing. So I'm really, really thankful for that. Um, yeah, I got to uh, lead worship last week, and that was great. And so this week I get to kind of re- reemerge into my normal job description and and get to open the Bible with you guys. And so I'm really, really thankful for that. Really thankful for this church while I was away. Um, so thankful that y'all afforded us the opportunity to just not uh, be around for two months and just to rest. And we rested. Man, I think I took a nap literally like every day. And not just a little cat nap, like door shut, blinds closed, fan on, clothes off, under the covers, like checked out nap. You know, you know what I mean? Like that kind of nap. And uh, so I think I was tired, but we're feeling really good, really re- rejuvenated. And um, just more than anything, the feels like the, the emotion is thankfulness. And so, so thank you. Um, today, we are going to be diving back into our study in the Proverbs. So if you have a Bible, um, open up to, I'm going to have you open up to actually the Proverbs chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen. Um, if you're not familiar with the Bible, it's really toward the middle, uh, the book of Proverbs, right near the Psalms, and it's in the Old Testament. Don't be ashamed of the table of contents. There's no shame of that in that, so go for that if you need to. Um, and we're going to be looking at a lot of verses in the Proverbs in reference to a kind of a challenging topic, and the title of the sermon is Rejoicing in Reproof. Rejoicing in reproof, okay? So let me set the stage for this a little bit. Um, When we moved to Madison to plant this church six years ago, uh, all of us pastors had part-time jobs, and I worked a part-time job at Westtown Mall at the Apple Store. And right when we moved here, I jumped right into staff training. They have a week of kind of intense training. And one of the most poignant things I remember from the staff training time was that they challenged us to give negative, specific feedback to someone who was higher up on the chain than we were as entry-level employees. So they have this quadrant of, like, uh, positive, specific encouragement. uh, Let's see, positive, non-specific encouragement. And then you've got the the negative, non-specific feedback and then you got the negative specific feedback. And the best is specific and positive and negative. It needs to be both. And so the challenge is to kind of demonstrate that this isn't going to be a culture where even those that are at the highest levels of leadership are, uh, are, are immune from correction or immune from feedback. They challenged us to go to a manager and just give some negative specific feedback day one. Now, for me, it's like, whatever, I'm not doing that. Like, that's crazy. Um, but but the, the point is clear that they wanted to create an environment where everyone's open to feedback. No one's beyond that. And, and, and it didn't happen perfectly, of course, but it did happen. And I, and I must say that, that working there for 20 months was really cool. I learned a lot, honestly, about lead, leadership in the church. And um, it was a healthy environment, you know. Not without its flaws, but it was one of the healthiest work environments I've ever been in. I'd say that. 
Now, what the Apple Store, what the Apple Store called negative specific feedback, the Bible has a different word for that. And the biblical word is reproof. Reproof. Now, reproof isn't a word that we use a ton in the English language. I can, honestly, as I was thinking this week, I can't think of ever a sentence that has come out of my mouth with the word reproof. Like, I need to go reprove this person. You know, I've, I don't think I've ever said that. But the Bible says it a lot. Okay, so we need to know what it means. We need to pay attention to that, especially in the Proverbs. So I looked it up in the dictionary this week to see the English definition. And of course, uh, the Bible wasn't written in English. It was written in Hebrew. But here's what English says about this word reproof or reprove. It's a rebuke, a reprimand, reproach, admonishment, admonition, disapproval, censure, criticism. They keep getting worse here. Condemnation. And then informal dressing down. That's pretty hardcore right? Now, all of that's pretty negative, if you ask me, right? Like, who, who wants to, like, be confronted with all those words in your life? I mean, I don't. Well, that's okay, because thankfully, even though the dictionary definition is, is, is quite negative, the Bible, and specifically our focus book for the summer, the book of Proverbs, speaks very, very highly and positively about reproof, Okay? According to Proverbs, reproof is like a fountain of living water. It's, 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 it's a place you can stream to and have blessing. It's protection, it's intelligence, it's wealth, it's safety. Now, I'm just going to rattle off the, the main verses in Proverbs that deal with reproof. And follow along with me here. Proverbs 10, 17. Whoever heeds instruction is on the path of, path to life, but he who rejects reproof leads others astray. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. Now check this out. The Bible gets real direct. But he who hates reproof is stupid. My kids have got this one memorized. They like the direct verses. Um, Poverty and disgrace come to him who ignores instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is honored. A fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. 15.5. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will what? Will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom, and humility comes before honor. So if we were to sum this up, what's the essence of what the Proverbs is saying about reproof? And I think it's this. If you'll listen to correction, that's just another way to say reproof. If you'll listen to correction, it will be a massive blessing to you and to others. If you'll listen to correction in your life, it will be a massive blessing to you and to others. Now, let me just run through these verses again. And I want us to like dial in here. Let's, let's take God's word seriously. Let's read it. Think about it. But think of how positive all of this sounds, right? Go back to 1017. Whoever heeds instruction is on the path of life. Like who doesn't want to be on the path of life? So man, Bible's just straight. 
You want to be on the path of life? Well, heed instruction. But he who rejects reproof leads others astray. So it's got a corporate, collective element. If you're just like, you know, digging your heels in and you're not going to listen to anybody, well, that's going to have an effect on your relationships horizontally. You'll lead others astray. Your pride and your stubbornness and not ability to listen and be humble is going to lead others astray. But if you do the opposite, the principle is, generally speaking, man, that's going to be the path of life. Two, uh, sorry, 12 verse 1. What, so we got path of life, we got knowledge and intelligence. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. Who wants to be knowledgeable? I do. But he who hates reproof is stupid. What's well, the opposite? If you love reproof, you're smart. If you love reproof, that's wisdom. It's intelligence. Uh, 13, 18. Honor and financial blessing. Now remember, the Proverbs are principles. They're not promises. Promises are found in other places in the Bible. But generally speaking, you're going to be honored and you'll have financial blessing if you don't ignore instruction, right? Poverty and disgrace come to him who ignores instruction. But what's the positive? What's the blessing? But whoever heeds reproof is honored. Who wants to be honored? That's a good thing, right? And then there's wisdom. So we've got path of life. We've got knowledge and intelligence. We've got honor and financial blessing. What else do we got? We've got wisdom. 15.5, the fool despises his father's instruction. But whoever heeds reproof is prudent. Another way to say is, is safe or is wise. And then the following verses after uh, in 15, in 30, uh, 15, Verse 31, just rehearse these same themes. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. So if you listen to reproof, it's going to have a massive blessing. If you listen to correction, it's going to have a massive blessing to you and to others. That's just what the Bible says. You got the path of life. You've got knowledge and intelligence. You got honor, financial blessing, and wisdom. And these are good things. So reproof is a good thing. It's not what the, you know, like our default setting when we hear those words in the in the American dictionary, like, oh, that's bad. The Bible says this is good. Really good. And so the Proverbs commend it to us this morning. If you will listen to correction, it will be a massive blessing to you and to others. So that's the biblical foundation. We want all of our teaching here at the Vine to be firmly rooted in God's Word. So I hope you're convinced this morning. The majority of what the Bible says about reproof is found in the Proverbs. It's very important, okay? I hope you're convinced. Now, let's, let's um, just get beyond the, the more heady, yes, I acknowledge that's true, and then talk about how is this going to flesh out of my life. Okay, what's this going to look like in my life? So let's talk about the how, okay? So we'll talk about the how in two ways. Real simple. Number one, how do we give reproof? How do we give reproof? And then secondly, a little harder, maybe, how do we receive reproof? How do we receive reproof? And both are very, very important, and both are assumed for God's people in God's community the family, the church, okay? So let me start with a bank account illustration. So when I was a kid, uh, I have a poignant memory of getting my first bank account. 
and my parents wanted me to learn some fiscal responsibility, right? And so I had this thing, this is way before online banking, right? No iPhone apps or anything. So what I had, and some of you might remember this, at our bank, we had these little things that were like about the size of a passport. Anybody remember that? Am I the only one? Okay. He had this little passport-looking thing, and he had a little ledger in there that just you could keep track of how much money you had in your savings account. And so I would, uh, I don't think I really wanted my parents to know this, but I was, you know, this is back in the day when I would just like run and play all day in our neighborhood and, you know, come back for supper. That was kind of the vibe, um, when I, even when I was a kid. And so I would sometimes go to my mom's desk where my little passport savings account ledger was, and I would pull that out, and I would walk up to the bank, and maybe grandma gave me 50 bucks for my birthday or something. I had some money in my bank account, and so I'd go up there, slap that on the desk, and then, you know, I'm eight, nine years old, and the teller's looking at me kind of funny, like, okay, whatever, he's got money here. And so I would only want to take out like $5, so I'd take a $5 withdrawal, okay? And she would write it down in my little book, and it's like, oh, it's cool, I got, whatever, $85 left. And then I would take my $5 and go to the arcade and play, you know, for two hours, and uh, just waste money. And uh, that was how I spent a lot of Saturdays and off days in the summer um, when I was a kid. I was pretty excited about my bank account. Now, a few years later, when I went to college, I was a little less excited about my bank account because I had a lot more financial pressure and a lot more responsibility to keep track of things. And I'm not really a numbers guy. I'm more of like a philosophy and literature and history kind of guy. I hated algebra. Spreadsheets kind of make me nervous. And so um, I wasn't super excited about my checking and savings account. So here's the deal. I never balanced my checkbook. My mom sat me down in high school. Here's how you balance a checkbook. That looked like horrible tedium to me. Forget that. So I'm not going to do that. So I worked some jobs. I made money. And I just kind of generally speaking knew how much money I had, right? And so, as you can imagine, sometimes if I would go write a check for something somewhat significant, that could be a little nerve-wracking to not really know, am I going to bounce this check or not? Now, if I was making $1,000 deposits every, you know, every other day, it'd be no problem, right? But $1,000 deposits for college Zach Nielsen was few and far between, okay? So, at times, those, those withdrawals from the bank account were a little nervous, because I just kind of, generally speaking, sort of knew how much money I had. Because I wasn't keeping track of my deposits. Now, when I think about being a person who knows how to give life-giving reproof, I think this bank analogy can really be helpful for us, okay? And here's what I mean. Consider uh, our, church fi- our church family, the vine, or maybe you're just relationships in general, or maybe you're new here, you don't have a church home, or you haven't been going to church very much. That's cool. Glad you're here. Just think of your relationships in general with a bank account analogy along the lines of deposits and withdrawals. And an encouragement to someone is like a deposit, right? You come up to someone and say, hey, and I really appreciated how I observed you with your kids the other day. That was really meaningful. Or I really appreciate what you said in City Group the other night. That was really insightful. Or, man, I, I just am so thankful for how I can see the joy of the Lord in your life. And that's just evident. Like, those are just great encouragements that should be normal among us as a family here at the Vine. And when you do that, it's like putting a deposit into somebody's life. It builds up 
their account, if you will. And a reproof then, conversely, is kind of like a withdrawal, right? It's kind of like a withdrawal because sometimes it's hard to hear. In the short term, it's withdrawal. Now, biblically, we know that long term, it's massive blessing. But in the short term, it might be kind of like a withdrawal when you have to reprove someone, when you have to correct someone. So here's the question. How can we be the kind of church that doesn't bounce relational checks? You with me? That's, a, that, that's the question. Because the Bible just assumes, like we saw, that we're going to have to do this with one another. That's just wisdom. To give and receive reproof. So how do we give reproof? I would say this. A church family that wants to be a healthy community of life-giving reproof will be built upon, check this, not necessarily on reproof, but it will be built on encouragement. A church family that wants to be a healthy community of life-giving reproof will be built upon the foundation of life-giving encouragement. So let me give you an example. So all of us are going to have to, at some point, if, if we love God and love his word and we love people, we're going to have to give words of reproof at times. I have to do this too. And it can be a little nerve-wracking, right? What are they going to say? How are they going to respond? Are they going to stomp out mad? Are they going to go and say that I was a jerk? You know, what's going to happen? And I think about this bank account analogy, and I ask myself, have I made deposits in this person's life? Does this person know that I love them? Does this person trust that I love them? Has that been demonstrated in any ways over any significant period of time? When I've spoken to them, has it been sincere and meaningful? Has my encouragement of them been somewhat consistent? So maybe I've got $1,000 in the relational bank with this person because I've, I've worked hard to just be a person of encouragement. And so then I know when I have a, a $50 reproof, that's no big deal. It's probably going to go okay, right? And we're not going to bounce that relational check. You, you see what I'm getting at here? But if I just constantly roll up on people and they're like, hey, you screwed this up, and hey, you need to be really thinking about this, and hey, why are you such a jerk in this way? And, you know, wh- how come you're, like, not ever saying anything in Citigroup and you're all quiet and seem like you're stewing or, or whatever? If that's all people hear, that's just constant withdrawals, 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 withdrawals. And it's hard to be a community where reproof is really life-giving. So for you individually to be able to give life-giving reproof and for us collectively to be this kind of church family, I think our chances of success greatly increase as we focus not on reproof necessarily, but rather focus on encouragement and more and more encouragement. And then when the time for reproof comes, we've laid a great foundation, and and it will come, that time will come. We've laid a great foundation of trust And usually, it's going to go really well. And so, I think when it comes to our church family, maybe ground zero for this could be your city group. Ground zero for this could be your city group. You know, just send someone an encouraging text. Make a a lot of us, we have thoughts about it. We just don't follow through on it. So just take the 10 seconds. Boom, boom. I appreciated that about you. Send it off. Send them a Slack message. Um, Slack is our, our communication network if you're new here. And so send them a Slack message. Pull someone aside after church, face-to-face. How about that? And, and it doesn't have to be big drama. Just, hey, I, I want you to know I really appreciate this about you. Or when you said this, it was really cool. Um, how about snail mail? 
You know, the intimacy of real handwriting. How about that? that that's more meaningful in our day and age, right? Because it takes longer. So mail someone a note. Uh, honor somebody publicly, maybe in, in your family. Honor your kids in front of the other kids. Honor your wife in front of the kids. You know, honor someone in your city group and just, hey, I just really want to say this publicly that I really appreciate this about this person. You know, the Bible says in, in Romans 12 to outdo one another in showing honor. Isn't that beautiful? Outdo one another in showing honor, Romans 12. And what if that is what we were known for? Wouldn't that be beautiful, right? So that's the foundation for how giving reproof, I think, can be really healthy. Just making deposits, making deposits, building the banking account. Let me give you some quick hitters on, on maybe some other practical ways that giving reproof can, can, can go well. Number one, think about what Jesus said about the plank and the speck. He says, if you're going to talk about somebody's speck in their eye, meaning a fault that they have, remember that you've got a plank, okay? So it's very easy to get that reverse. I'm, I've got it all together and I got this little speck, and they've got the two-by-four coming out of their face, right? But no, 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 Jesus says the other way. He says, you can talk about their speck, but have the right tone and the right humility that comes from you talking about their speck while you've got the huge log in your face. You with me? And it doesn't mean you're not going to talk about their speck. It just means that the tone and the humility is going gonna, is gonna to be normative in those conversations, okay? So always remember that. Um, come asking permission. Just ask permission. Because it might not be the right time. I'll talk about that in a second. But ask permission. Hey, is it okay if we ch- chat about something that I feel like I need to share with you? And m- maybe they might say, well, now's not a good time. Like, oh, great. Um, but I just want to seek your permission. And oftentimes it'll be, yeah, that's fine. And just asking permission is common courtesy. Consider timing. Is this a good time to maybe make a withdrawal? Now, timing is never going to be perfect, especially with hard conversations a lot of times. There's just never going to be perfect timing. So you just got to dive in and pray for grace. But let me give you an extreme example. You don't roll up on somebody after, like, the funeral, and they've just laid their mother in the ground, and then you pull them aside and and are like, hey, uh, the Lord's laid something on my heart, and I really need to address this with you, and I just want—not a good time, right? That's that's a no-brainer. Now let's but just back that analogy off a little bit and just think through, you know, if I see some young dad or young mom like struggling, wrangling their kids and they're kind of frazzled, it's like probably not a good time, right? Um, again, there's never a perfect time, but just do your best. Use discernment. Use wisdom in that, okay? Um, that'll go a long way in your marriage as well. Uh, consider tone of voice. Consider your words. You know, this is just wisdom and discernment things, Right? All that stuff is going to make our giving of reproof a lot easier, okay? So that's how we learn to give reproof. Let me ask you this. Who do you need to encourage today? Who do you need to make 10 deposits of encouragement with? Who do you need to make a, a withdrawal from? Who needs, who needs, what, what's, if you think of someone and you go, man, what's most loving I know is, um, not because I'm perfect, but I know that's what's loving is for this person to hear that um, what's, what, what they're doing right now just isn't working out very well. And because I love them, I need to share that with them. Who is that in your life today? 
And how can you use wisdom and, and have that courageous conversation? Because the Bible assumes we need it. Okay? So that's how we give reproof. Now let's talk about the second one. How do we receive reproof? A little scarier, right? I mean, who wants to, you know, have pointed out that they've got sin issues and weaknesses and failures and, man, this didn't really go as well as I hoped. Yeah, I know. Well, let me start by taking the anxiety out of it, okay? Let me just approach this somewhat uniquely maybe than what you're expecting. Here's what I want to commend to us. Instead of waiting around for the reproof to come just randomly. I don't know what's coming, but I know it's going to come because we're a community that believes God's word and I know I need it. And I'm just waiting. Um, I want to challenge us all to not wait for it, but rather to pursue it. Okay? I want to challenge us to not wait for reproof to come and receive it that way. I want to challenge you to receive reproof by intentionally pursuing it. Okay? So let me give you some examples of how this has really blessed me. And it's not comfortable and it's not easy, but it has, God's word has proven true. It has blessed me. Okay, so number one is my marriage. Um, about, gosh, eight or nine years ago, Kim and I started making a regular rhythm. And at the time when we started, maybe it was a once a month on a date night. Uh, I would lead out and I would say, Kim, you know, um, are there things that you see in my life that need correction? Are there things that you see in my life where I'm hurting you and you just haven't told me yet? Or you feel like it's not that big of a deal, but it kind of is. Anything. I'm here. I'm ready. You know, like I've got the virtual notepad, and sometimes it was an actual notepad, uh, out, and I'm ready to receive. Okay? Um, now is go time. And so, like, for example, just recently, Kim has shared with me that, like, sometimes when we talk about things that are, maybe it's not a conflict, but it's just like an intense discussion, sometimes a conflict. You get like a dog with a bone and you're just like, you like won't let this thing go. And you're like so intense. And sometimes I need a little more space to process. And you're like Mr. Black and White and you just like go for it. And just, it would really help me if you just kind of chill out and, 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 and give me some space with, with, with this issue that we're working through. It's like, you know what? You're right. And I have been doing that. And I do have a propensity to always think I'm right and to be black and white and be intense and like, you know. And so I hear that. And I can ask forgiveness and I want to change. Will you help me? And, and just as a side note, for anybody who's married or, someone, or anyone who will be married, if you're single, make note of this. This little exercise has been number one by far the greatest thing that's changed our marriage. Because it's just a way to prove that God's word is true and practice humility. And God promises in his word that he opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So this little exercise of pursuing reproof has done nothing but bless our marriage. Now, has, is it easy? No. Uh, is it painful at times? Absolutely. Are there tears sometimes? Absolutely. But man, God's word has proven true and it has blessed our marriage. I'm more in love with my wife today than I've ever been doesn't mean we're perfect, but it means that God's word is true and it's proven true in our lives. So I commend it to you. Um, your leadership at this church, the elders, we do this regularly as well. So we'll go away maybe uh, just for an overnight just to kind of talk about vision and to pray and to talk uh, usually twice a year. 
And we do this exercise. Man, what have you observed in my life that's really, really good? And what are you observing in my life that is, you know, needs attention? We're, growth areas is what we call it or whatever. And, and so we encourage one another like crazy and we try to make that really the emphasis. And then maybe one or two things that we want the other guys to be thinking about. And we just lay ourselves bare before these other guys. And, and we ask for reproof. And it's been beautiful. Man, I, I feel like our eldership, um, you know, second to my wife, uh, those guys, I have the highest trust with those guys. It doesn't mean we're necessarily BFFs, but man, I've got the highest trust with those guys than anybody else other than my wife. They know everything about me. Um, and, and we can do that with each other because there's trust and we love each other. And it's, man, it's born just great fruit for our church, I believe, because those relationships really need to be solid. And then finally, I, I pursue reproof uh, as, I, as I go to a counselor. So I think everybody needs counseling, okay? Um, and I'm not exempt from that. And when I say counseling, I don't mean like the dude with the yellow pad and you're laying on the couch and it's just like, man, I go pour my heart out and then he gives us feedback and I pay him a hundred bucks. Okay, see you next week. It's not that. I think counseling should just be normative in our community. I think that if we just functioned in our city groups or in our, just in our relationships in general, like God's word assumes that we'll function, I think 90% of counseling would just be taken care of in terms of the professional sense. So I, I'm not talking about professional counseling necessarily. This is just a guy that's older than me, has experience working with pastors like me. He's got a lot of wisdom. And I go to him maybe once a month and we just talk. I talk about my life, talk about things that I'm processing and I pursue reproof from him and he gives it. So based on what I'm hearing, Zach, I think you need to chill out or you're going to fry. Okay. That's one of the things I heard, you know, a year ago and um, praise God for sabbatical, right? Zach, I think your schedule is too crazy. I'm going to help you think through making that more manageable for the sake of being in ministry for hopefully the long haul. Um, Zach, you need to prioritize more time for solitude for the sake of what the Bible says is the job of eldership, that being the word and prayer. And I see a lot of other things, but I don't see that necessarily being a priority other than your sermon prep. All right, so he's reproving me, and I receive that. Make some changes. It's a blessing, right? Now, some of you might be thinking, okay, I could do this, but how do I know those people are right? Well, I, I can't guarantee that. Like, are those people that I've rattled off, are they omniscient? Nope, they're not God. They're not all-knowing. But here's what I would say, and here's what I'd commend to you. Do these people love God? Do these people love God's word? Do these people love you? Do you know that? Are these people yes people, or are they not scared to tell you the truth? Are they willing to tell you the truth and they're not fearful of you? Do you know that? Do you know that they're on your team? That they want what's best for you, right? And if those are true, could they be wrong? Sure. But I would tread lightly before I quickly dismiss or have a hard heart towards counsel from people that fit these categories of loving God, loving me, loving God's word, not fearing me, and wanting what's best for me. Will you find someone in your life that will do all those things perfectly? Never. But that shouldn't discount you from pursuing intentional reproof in your life. Because I promise you, you can find people like that. And if you can't, let's talk about that. And let's ask why that is. Why is it that I wouldn't trust anybody? There's probably a deeper issue there, right? 
So this is a bit of an odd way to teach you how to receive reproof. I get that. You should pursue it from trusted people in your life and not wait around for them to give it. So let me ask you, who can you go to to receive reproof from? And I would say that if you're married, ground zero for this should be your spouse. Okay? They know you the best. They live with you 24-7. They know everything about you, or they should. And if they don't, well, that's a different problem. That's a different sermon for another day. But they know you. They live with you. And, and hear me, I know that for many of you to lay yourself bare and just talk about your hurts and to receive how you've hurt your spouse, that's a scary prospect. I get it. And marriage at times can be messy and hard, right? And there's bitterness and there's hiding and there's strongholds of pretending everything's okay when it's not. And this little exercise that I'm commending to you to pursue reproof from your spouse, that sounds scary. I get it. I've been there. But let me say this today. If that's you and you're just thinking, geez, that's too scary. This is too messy. Uh, It's too vulnerable. I'm too hurt by my spouse. Forget that. If that's you, I want to counsel you, if you'll receive it, to not brush this aside today. Today is the day to get serious about this. God's word is for us, for a purpose, for our blessing. And I promise you this, if you disregard it, it will only lead to more misery in your life. I promise. Why would I say that? Why can I be so sure of that? Because I trust God's word. I believe God's word, okay? And what is God's word that we just rattled off 20 minutes ago? That pursuing reproof will lead to your blessing, right? Didn't we see that? But if you run from it, what's going to happen? Well, the opposite will come, and there won't be any blessing. It'll just be more and more misery. Because it's probably indicative of a hard heart. Or it's probably indicative of just not wanting to face the mess. But without facing the mess, the mess never gets better. God doesn't want us to enable us. God will never enable us to not deal with things. He wants to call us out of the darkness into the light. That's the only way that healing comes. Now listen, I know that untangling the mess of marriage or other relationships is very complex, but just, let's just stick with the basics of God's word and give him a chance to prove that he knows what he's talking about, right? Like don't think that you're the exception and that in God's word, that God doesn't know what you're going through and that, and that his word doesn't apply to you. Like your situation is too challenging. It's not. I know it's challenging. I just, I'm just saying, based on the authority of God's word, it's not too challenging. It's not too challenging to just give it a whirl. Like test God out. It might not be perfect all at first, and it might take a while, but man, let's just dive in. Let's dive in and see if me intentionally pursuing reproof is going to lead to the blessing that God provides. From trusted people that love God, love me, love his word, aren't intimidated by me, and want what's best for me. And if you can't find someone like that, let me know. I want to help you, okay? And if you're not married, take notes for maybe when you are married, okay? But if you're not married, that's okay. 
What about someone in your family? What about um, a trusted coworker? What about someone in your city group? What about a parent? If you're, if you're a kid or a teenager, how about talking to your parents and just asking them for, for reproof and pursuing it from them? So let me just sum up here. We've talked about biblically the beauty of reproof as the Bible lays it out in the Proverbs, right? And we talked about how to give it and how to receive it. Let me just close with this. The essence of receiving the gospel and becoming a Christian is receiving, is listening to a word of life-giving reproof. From who? From God himself, right? You with me? Anyone who's a Christian has humbly received a word of reproof from God, from God himself. And this is the honest bad news. Romans 3.23, that all have sinned. Every single one of y'all, me included, everyone in here is a sinner. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So translation, you're a mess. You're a sinner. You're truly helpless. You can't save yourself. That's the bad news. That's a word of reproof. That's a, that's a word that, that to you that, okay, now we need some correction there, right? And praise be to God that he doesn't leave us to ourselves to figure it out, right? God says in his word, this is true about you, but guess what's also true about you? I love you, and I'm here for you, and I want you, and I'm with you. And, and, and the cross, Romans 5, 8, demonstrates that those are also true. God demonstrates his love for us in this, Romans 5, 8. God demonstrates his love. Hear, hear that word, demonstration. He's made it clear. He, he's, he's, he's paid for a huge billboard and set it right next to the belt line. So every day when you drive by, it says, I love you. And here's how you know, the cross. You're a mess. Yep. And you're really loved. Yep. And here's the, the number one evidence, the cross of Jesus, to deal with your sin. He loves you. He's for you. He's with you. And you can face that word of reproof from him because of the cross where he paid for your sin, where he paid for your need for correction, where he paid for all of your crazy messes and your, your rash words and your, and your selfishness and the way that you've harmed others. He's paid for that if you'll receive him. So you've already had to receive, if you're a Christian today, you've had to receive that word of reproof, right? The cross has already told you a million times that you're a mess, but you're so loved by God in spite of your sinful mess, and he's gradually changing you out of your sinful mess by the power of a spirit who lives in all those who place their trust in Jesus and make Jesus their highest treasure. So... Hear this now. If someone comes alongside you and says, man, you hurt me in this way, could we have any right to be defensive? Like, is that a big shocker that I have the ability to hurt someone with my words? No. It's not a big shocker because I'm a sinner. I'm not fully sanctified yet. Someone comes along and says, man, could, could, when, you, when, you, when you said this in city group, I was just wondering, did you mean this? Is there room for hard-heartedness? Maybe we just need to clear something up, but maybe I really sinned against that person. I need to listen. See, the cross has already outed you 
So when someone else outs you, you should be able to say, yeah, that's not the, you know what? That's not even the first of it, right? That's, you're just getting started, right? You come to me and point out a sin, I could say that. Yeah, that's probably true, and you're just getting started. You, know, you don't have to live with me like my family, right? So you don't have to be defensive or fearful. Why? Because you're secure. Why? Well, if you're a Christian, the foundation of our worldview is that God loves you because of how he's demonstrated that 2,000 years ago in space, time, and history through the cross where he paid for your sin so that if you trust and treasure him and flee to him and say, I need you, he will receive you and prove to you that it's all true based on his resurrection from the dead where he conquered your sin and, and, and he rose from the dead showing new life, conquering the wages of sin being death and saying, nope, sin cannot hold me. Death has no more sting. And so if you come to me and are united to me through trusting me, all that can be true of you as well. New life, forgiveness of sin, and you can be secure. So the cross says that you're more messed up than you could possibly imagine, and you're more loved than you could possibly imagine. So let's be these kind of reproof-loving people. It's for a blessing. The good news of the gospel is the foundation for how that's going to happen and how that has a chance to be really, really beautiful in our family here that's divine. And if you're not a part of this family, we just say we welcome you in. We welcome you in. If this sounds beautiful to you, we welcome you in. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Okay? We want to be this kind of people. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the truth of your word, and we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would apply it to our lives in very meaningful ways today, tomorrow, this week, this month, this year, for the rest of our days. In Jesus' name, amen.